having music behind any vocal will essentially elevate that voice and make it more impactful. Because what you're doing is you're touching on the, the emotional center of the mind. You're listening to Talking Creative, the podcast that helps voice directors, creatives, and production companies to make the most of their voice actors so they can create amazing content that everyone wants to hear. I'm Samantha Poffin, voice actor and director, and I know that directing voices can feel daunting and complicated. Where do I start? Should I just wing it? What if I say the wrong thing? I want to help you make sense of all that. If you make videos, ads, audiobooks, or anything with a voiceover, then this is the podcast for you. Ready to start talking creative? Then let's get started. Hello, and welcome to Talking Creative. This episode, we are going to be talking all about music and the relationship between music and voiceover. Now, music is an important aspect of spoken voiceover work because, to be honest, it's quite a rare project that doesn't have some kind of music associated with it. And music, along with the voice, often sets the audio mood of the piece. So they're very much linked together, to be honest. But how does that work in the real world? So when you're shaping a project, how do you marry these two audio strands together? Which one comes first, the music or the voice? Or is that actually an impossible question to answer? To help us chat about all this, I spoke to Garrett Neal. Now, Garrett is a composer, a musician, a producer and an audio engineer from the US. He started out with Speakeasy Productions in Baltimore, but he now runs his own studio and he works with real giants like Netflix, MTV, Disney, HBO and VH1. I first met Garrett just a few weeks ago. He was a voice director at a workshop that I attended run by the wonderful Tanya Rich at Richcraft. And he very kindly took me up on the offer of an interview about music and voiceover. Hello, Garrett. Hello. <laughs> thank you so much for coming today. And thank you for having me. <laughs> so I'm intrigued. I, I obviously had a look at your um, your site just before, um, well, not just before, but when I was uh, researching you. And so what is your actual title? How do you refer to yourself? Because, <laughs> yeah, you're a musician, you're a composer, you're an audio engineer, and you're a voice director. So what do you see yourself as? Right. You know, it's hard to pin down the, the one thing, um, because I do all and love all of those things, you know, composing, um, producing, uh, playing. I'd have to say musician is number one. Musician composer oh. is, is if I had to pick one, that I would do for the rest of my life, uh, it would be that. Because music is my, my passion. It's what I live and breathe for. Did you get into this industry through the music then? Is that Yes, yes, I, I, I did. So, I, I, you know, I started playing piano at a young age, uh, four, mm -hmm. and uh, did the, you know, the high school marching band and uh, <laughs> that stuff. I, of course, wanted to be a rock star when I became a teenager, so I studied the guitar. Um, 
And that led me to college. That led me to uh, the music school I went to, which inevitably brought me to this audio world. Um, I went to uh, McNally Smith College of Music in St. Paul, Minnesota, which is now um, not around anymore, unfortunately. Um, and there I learned uh, recording, production, and engineering with uh, an emphasis in composition and arranging. So you went in as a musician, but that was all part of it, was it? Um, all the, all the um, recording part of it? Yeah, yeah, it was. Oh, wow. Um, we learned, you know, recording technology. Um, and, and this is, I don't want to date myself, but we were using analog tape back then. Um, <laughs> I remember my teachers uh, at the time were like, you know, there's this new thing called digital and we're not really sure it's going to work. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they were hoping yeah, right? that the analog would stay. Yep. Um, so, yeah, learning the technology, learning how to splice tape, um, how to, you know, set up proper uh, uh, microphone technique. Um, and at the same time, learning how to compose and play. I'd always, um, you know, the piano, I still play to this day. And um, that's my main instrument. I've since given up the saxophone and guitar. Um, but, yeah, music is the core and has been the core for me. So... Yeah, back to your question. If I had to wear one hat, it would be composer. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, that is what you say first, actually, on your, I notice, on your uh, website. Yeah, with composer yep. <laughs> So you, but you work with voice as well. At what point then in your career did the voices come into this? Right. Did the voice direct department? Yep. So um, after college, I, I graduated um, a little early. I was 19 years old, and I was looking for a job. And now this this school is in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm from Baltimore, Maryland, so East Coast to the West or the Midwest is where you know I went to school. And in looking for a job out of college in the early 2000s, I came across an opportunity to move back to Maryland and work as a head engineer at a voiceover studio here in Baltimore. As luck would have it, my stepfather, uh, the secretary to his work, her <laughs> husband was the head engineer at Speakeasy Productions here in Baltimore. And he was he was leaving his position and it just timed out, you know, like, well, I'll go back home, you know, <laughs> to college, live with the rents for a little while and see what happens. And uh, yeah, I ended up uh, being a young 19 year old kid in this studio. Wow. Learning the trade of voiceover, which is what, you know, I, I, I kind of learned that you know, technical aspect in school, but was never really prepared for it until I got into it. You know, I'm doing things like, uh, you know, working for comedy, uh, you know, scripts for Comedy Central, VH1, History Channel, and then like local car sales people, you know, Sprint, the IVR stuff. And so that's kind of where I got my feet wet in voiceover. And now, you know, fast forward 20 years, I'm actually still freelancing with uh, Speakeasy when, when there's you know, when there's stuff to be done. Uh-huh. And when when you come in, do you, you were talking about scripts there. You Do you write the scripts as well? No. You just, you work with the directors, the uh, creatives? So at that time, no, I, I wasn't writing anything, any copy. And this is, um, writing copy is just kind of a new thing for me. And, you know, if I wasn't a musician, I'd be a uh, artist. And if I wasn't an artist, I'd be a writer. So I do have a strong passion for writing and being around scripts for so long, you kind of, feel how they work you know you get an idea of, of what you know power words and what pops and uh what cadences to use and um you know what the fresh new trends are in, in, yeah. in advertising so it kind of came and this is something i just started doing recently was writing scripts for demo reels for show reels because ah, are you a lyricist as well did, did, did you write the lyrics you know, for 
no. Okay. So you're you're okay. So so the whole writing in terms of because it, it's interesting because um, actually I was I was going to say that music is such an intrinsic part of the project and the script and the voice and the music all really work together. So yeah. I can kind of see how you would then having nailed, if you like, the the composing and the music side and the voiceover side, then I can sort of see why, yeah, actually writing the script as well would really make sense. Right. Because, I mean, it's it's all a, a, it's all a symbiosis, the voice and the music working in cadence. You know, yeah. if, if you compare it to like a singer singing a, a verse, you know, you can kind of look at it that way. And that tends to be my approach for a lot of things, because at the core, I am a piano player, a musician. So actually, you do. So you do demo reels. Now that that's quite interesting because that presumably in, in any demo reel, how many spots are there? Six, eight. Uh, you know, you want to fill a minute and a half to two minutes. It could be anywhere from five to to eight to ten. You know, five yeah. to ten, depending on how long they are. So actually, musically, I mean, there's all the other components of it, but musically, it's quite a challenge because you are having to. Uh, you know, graciously move from track to track. Is yes. that is that quite a challenge? It is, but there's there's you know there are some uh, tricks of the trade, so to speak, like um, impacts and risers that help you. These these uh, sound effects, if you will, that yeah. kind of help you transition. But it's 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 fun. You mentioned that it's it's fun to try and fit all these pieces together. It's almost like putting you know putting an album, condensing a a, a record, a musical record into a minute and 30 seconds, a, a montage, you know? Wow, that's a great way of looking at it, yeah. actually. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It is. It's like a little condensed form of a whole album. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so why is music so important to a project? Oh, gosh. I mean, um, music captures emotion. It brings up memories inside our brains, right? I mean, mm-hmm. um you say music does, uh, I think some people say music does three things. It makes you uh, feel, makes you dance. Maybe it does two things, but it makes you feel something. and it make it, So having music behind any vocal will essentially elevate that voice and make it, to me, more impactful. Because what you're doing is you're touching on the, the emotional center of the mind. You know, I don't know if you feel this, but sometimes I can listen to a piece of music and I close my eyes and it immediately I am transformed into this person I was in my past. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you know, you can um, you can make someone cry with music. Right. Well, totally. And and actually, the, the, the interesting thing is, is that often the, the voice part of it, the spoken voice part of it, it only needs to be there just at the end often because actually that music has done so much of the work yes. prior to that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah no, I'm, absolutely. Which is really, when I began thinking about music and voice, I actually wondered why I hadn't done a podcast episode on it already because it's actually very difficult to pull the two apart because almost you know I I actually can't think really of a project that doesn't have some sort of music somewhere in it even if it's just at the top or just at the end right it's kind of a tether you know it kind of gets you into it you know yeah or provides as you say the um the whole emotional ambience of a piece Mm -hmm. yeah because you produce a really eclectic mix of projects across the industry because you do kids' stuff or mm-hmm. music videos, film scores, promos, ads. You do so much stuff. So of all of those, what do you find the most challenging? Oh, gosh. Um, well, I guess the most challenging part is, is landing the gig, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't... Um, 
I love music. To me, it is uh, less challenging as it is enjoyable, right? So each project is completely different from the next. I mean, right, there's similarities between some things you do, but at the end of the day, you're doing something new and fresh every single time. So it's like a blank canvas, if you will. The challenging part sometimes is, and I hate to say this, but uh, sometimes our clients don't exactly know the business or what they want. So especially when it comes to directing and dealing with voice, uh, it does become sometimes challenging to be the interface between our, our clients and our talent um, and keep those sessions afloat if they tend to go south. And is, is that where you often find yourself, the, 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 the person between the talent and the client? Yes, often I do. And uh, it's a fun spot to be because I can play both, you know, the, the producer and engineer. And, I, you know, I wanted to to say at some point that uh, directing sometimes is not about directing. It's about knowing when to let your talent do what they do best. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Because often the sessions, if, if they're a bit rushed, if they feel a bit rushed almost from the get-go, mm -hmm. I think that can put everybody on a bit of a back foot, if you like. And creating that that feeling of you know that ambience of where you know you can actually just play around with this yes. text this yes. is the point where you can actually have fun with it right you know instead of what often happens is when you turn up and everyone's going look we've got half an hour we've got to be out of here oh, by so, so and so, yeah. so and so which <laughs> kills it yeah and um you know like you said starting off on a back foot is always it's it's hard to recover from that sometimes so you kind of just you kind of gotta you know be playful and make things light and um, not uh, not show your cards, you know? Yeah. Sometimes. Because everything's, you know, everything's remote now, so. Oh, that's true, actually. Has that changed? Yeah, absolutely. Has that changed your world, if you like, quite a lot? Now, yes and no. So we have been transitioning for years prior to, you know, 2020 was a strange year for everybody, right? Mm, absolutely, yeah. Uh, and so now our industry is is very much remote where we're using these programs like Source Connect and Clean Feed and um, where we don't see our, our, our talent and our clients face to face. Uh, but no, we, we had been transitioning into this for years. So actually, I have been doing remote sessions for, you know, for quite a while. But, you know, before Source Connect, it was, it was ISDN, right? Yeah. So that was something we I felt like I kind of had been ahead of the curve and already used to on doing, you know, remote sessions. So has it changed things? Not for me. <laughs> Not. Oh, that's that's interesting. And has it has it changed? Because presumably now, this last year, did you work with a client in the same space not, as not it were? Not one time. No. no. Really? Not once. Wow. Um, so the, the entire year, every single session was remote. And even, even some, most of my, oh no, I take that back. Every single one of my music sessions was remote during the lockdown. Wow. It was cool. It was cool and, and kind of weird at the same time. Now, you know, we're starting to get back into it. In fact, I'm having my first clients back in the studio in a couple uh, days and I'm super pumped. Well, th so it, that's what I mean, actually. It, 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 do you prefer, actually, when, do you prefer it when everybody's in the studio together? You know, n now that here, yes, yes, I do. Um, there's, I mean, well, like there's a human connection, right? That you, mm. you know, the voice is a powerful thing, but looking someone in the eye is also very powerful, right? Yeah. 
And especially when you're creating something together, to have that instant um, visual feedback, body language, you know, is helpful. Now, I've become so accustomed to doing these remote sessions that I feel like I can navigate around them. Mm -hmm. But now that you mentioned I do miss seeing people. Yeah. Yeah. it's interesting because I, what I've discovered, obviously, this this past year has been a very steep learning curve um, for people, particularly in the UK, because we didn't do that many uh, remote sessions, you know, habitually. Or certainly, I my industry, which was basically TV, we mm. didn't do a lot of remote sessions. But everybody was in the same room, right. and so. In many ways, for me, it's been it's been quite a change because both as a director when I was directing and now as a voice, I was used to kind of seeing people and being able to go into the studio and, you know, and they you sit down beforehand and they say, well, look, this is the piece and let's have a look at the project and this is what we're trying to do. And it was quite kind of, you know, <laughs> quite cosy. Right. And then I'd go into the studio. So and it took me a bit of time, actually, to adapt and find the best way of, of doing that. Um, and I was doing it all the time <laughs> you know all of my sessions yeah. well how, how are you how are you adjusting I mean are you are you uh well I mean now it's fine and now actually you know that sometimes I do have the choice to go in or stay you know and actually do it from home and actually often for sheer convenience <laughs> I, I actually do it at home but you know, it, um, it all depends on if I want to wear pants that day you know? <laughs> exactly. and for me it depends on whether I know the people or not that makes right. a big difference actually yes. um but for your clients particularly, and I suppose voices that don't habitually work in remote sessions, have you found they've had to adapt or have, have found it tough to adapt? Not so much, you know. Okay. Be, for my clients, not so much because we're using voice over IP software mm-hmm. so they can call in on their phones. So it actually, it's pretty easy for them. And they don't realize, you know, all the technical stuff going on behind the scenes where we're patching this here and that here and um, on our digital routing systems. So no, not so much for clients. Uh, it's been pretty easy transition. Oh, you know, they're, prob- they're probably not wearing pants either. So <laughs> Yeah, there is something quite freeing about that. <laughs> Let's be honest. So when you've got a project, this, I've, I've always wanted to ask somebody this, when you've got a project that is doing a particular job, so it's not a music video which or something like that, but it, it's actually a message that's talking to a client like an ad or a promo, for you, which comes first? Where do you start? Do you start at the music or start at the voice? You know, I wish I could say we start at the music, but more often than not, it, it is matching the music to the voice that's already recorded, uh-huh. which has its challenges, uh, obviously. Preparing for this interview, I was thinking about, you know, why don't we in this industry more often start with the music? And I don't know what the answer. I don't know why that is, because t- to me, it makes a little more sense. You think about recording uh, in the way we've, we've been able to, you know, multi-tracking overdubs. Why don't we treat the voice as a solo instrument over the music? Yeah. But no, more nine out of ten times, it's me trying to uh, fit a piece of canned music from a client that they're really set, their heart is really set on to a voice that's pre-recorded. Oh, that's so interesting. It is. Yeah, wow, because uh, certainly, you know, as I say, when I when I was creating promos, I was TV promos, the idea dictated the music often, and then having got the idea in the music and having written the script, then that was the point where we then thought, oh, God, well, so which voice do we need? Mm-hmm. And that had its own challenges because you were forever pulling in a voice at the last minute thinking, oh, God, I need this kind of voice. Hey, anyone know this kind of voice? Yeah, right. And it really was like that. But... um 
So unless I had a talent, obviously, if I, if I had a named talent, mm-hmm. that, that was a different again. Yeah, that's something, you know, typically uh, the voice is already picked. It's already decided by the, the client. Um, oh. And then that's, that's the starting point. And like I said, sometimes there'll be this piece of music that a client uh, or maybe somebody, you know, like Tim in accounting picked out this nice piano song and they're going to go with that oh, wow. one, no matter what, you know. Um, and that has really brought up uh, some challenges, you know. Um, I can recall one time where there was this, you know, minute 30 spot and it was a piano piece with, and it was just piano, but every seven bars there was this shaker, right? <laughs> and it was, it didn't need to be there. And and I couldn't because it carried over into the, to, of the one to the next measure. I couldn't splice it out, no matter what I did. And I was like, "That is really annoying." But they love this music, and we got to run with it. You know, I could I could have played the piece myself, but it would have yeah, been yeah. you know a lot more expensive than I'm sure the whatever they paid for the can music. And I I knew it was going to be it was going to come up, so I tried to EQ it and I tried to duck it down. And I was like, the client is totally not going to like this. And of course they heard it and they're like, yeah, that sounds amazing voiceover. It was recorded so well. Um, can we just take the shaker out? And no, actually that's a two mix. That is a finished piece of music. We can't just take an instrument out after it's done. So yeah, um, yeah, that, that happens a lot. Yeah. And have you ever got to that point and then says, look, we, we, I could do this. I could, <laughs> I could so do this. And have they, has that ever happened? <laughs> oh yeah, and then and then they see you know what it's going to cost, and they're like, oh yeah, no, we can just use. You, we don't need original music for this, which is unfortunate because you know even even after a voice is recorded, there's still an ability as a musician to to score to this to this oh, sure. spot, you know, and it, it can go both ways. You know, the voice can play off the cadence of the the, the, the music, and the music can um, create its dynamics with the piece. Um, so it would be, it would be nice to have more of that ability to, to score to pieces or to, you know, to have the, the, you know, vice versa, have the music dictate the voice. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. I must admit, yeah, scoring, I, I, I've done some instances. I mean, I, obviously I'm not a musician, but I, I've worked with the musicians who have scores. So sometimes if we were doing a big promo, cinema promo or something for a particular TV program, mm-hmm. we might want to use their theme tune or the, or what was, you know, music that was very much associated with that um, production. But of course, it was very difficult to make it a 30 second piece or a 60 second piece. And anyway, the the action that was happening in the promo itself w- was much, much better if we, and so, you know, if somebody could have actually done a, a, a score to the action that we had. And so we did occasionally do that. And that was wonderful because it, it, the end product was always terrific. Right, right. I think at some point in, you know, like the 80s or 90s, these big uh, licensing houses just came out with these needle drops and they're like, okay, this is what the industry is going to use now. Yeah. Um, And it's unfortunate. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. It's, uh, it's, but do you ever get involved in choosing the voices for projects? Not so much, you know. Really? I wish I wish I had more, uh, I was higher up on the ladder for that one. If I was working with somebody like you who has such a wide knowledge of the industry, I think I would be coming to you and saying, hey, look, we've got this project. Got any ideas about who a good voice would be? Absolutely. So, you know, over the years, I've worked with so many amazing talents. And sometimes you hear a spot and sometimes you do. You're just like, oh, that is a, yeah. that's a job for Todd, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. or whoever, Um, you know. 
so yeah, after working with so long, and you, like I have my favorites. I, I try not to play favorites, but I have my favorites. These people are just so fun to work <laughs> with, and they're so talented, and they're so good. And you know that, you know that this spot would work better with, uh, you know, yeah. you know Tom or or Terry or Todd or someone with a T. You know, right? Um, but uh, <laughs> when our client picks our voice, they. Uh, they, they they get what they get, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. And does the voice that you inherit, so that they they come to you with this voice, presumably that affects your music choices quite dramatically, does it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because putting a heavy piece of music under a mm-hmm. light voice isn't going to work, and Not so you all, you yeah. yeah you've got to really. Yep. Match match the tone. You know the briefs the briefs that they give you are not they're just to me they're just kind of outlines. This is all. You know, we are part of uh, creating a creative process, you know. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they're just a guideline. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so when you're working as a voice director and you're concentrating on the voice uh, talent, what would you say was the most important need to have from the talent's perspective? Um. Th- well, there's a lot of things, you know, on the technical side, it just has to sound good. And that, that comes from technique, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes if the emotion or the, their ability to convey that message is there, technique goes out the window. So, um, there's a lot of things, talent, you know, that, that are really important for me. Um, confidence Mm -hmm. is a good one. You know, like, um, sometimes when you're doing these scripts and, and, you know, it's like, okay, you know, let's hit that one more time with this note ending this way. And like, you can tell your talent is getting tired and they just get a little morale kick you know a little you know um keeping that confidence level is really hard sometimes you know it's a performance so like one little thing can knock you off your rocker and and then that can you know snowball and so is that when you're being that that kind of interface if you like between the director and the voice do you is do you do a lot of that um keeping their confidence up only when i have to you Mm -hmm. know I think I think a lot of times my job is to be you know fly on the wall, be a little transparent. More often than not, I'd rather I'd rather let the talent do what they do best and and not have to direct as much, you know. Yeah. But if there's a certain thing, you know, you know, what's really nice is, uh, and I think you'll agree with me, is that when a talent can intuitively kind of guess where the where the the spot is going. Yes. <laughs> um. Yeah. Right. And it's so refreshing when uh. When, you know, like even before you, you know, when you're setting up a session, before you start asking, well, you know, do you have any questions for our our client or our talent and vice versa? They're just like, I I have some questions for you. (laughs) (laughs) Or when there's something, you know, I wish they would just read this one line with a little more of that. And then they get it. And you're like, oh, thank God, you know. Yeah. So they notice that piece, that bit in the music, or they notice that bit of um, audio punctuation. And it could be a bit of um, dialogue up sound or something where they think, oh, actually, if I split this line and I wrapped it around there or I gave that little beat pause for that explosion or whatever it was to come through. I love it when they intuitively are able totally. to do that. Totally. I mean, it's it's, it's improvisation, right? Yeah. Um, and that's a, that's a, a act or a gift of a, true, a really good actor. You know, we are, at the end of the day, we're working with voice actors mm. um, and the ability to think on your feet and make quick decisions and improvise is something that not only applies to voice talent, but a lot of things in, in, in music. So this is where I'm able to relate my music. I love to improvise, you know. Um, mm. I grew up composing and improvising. So like that, being able to like pivot and watching other people do that so well is so refreshing. Yeah. 
Yeah, and do you think your musical ability or your your musical background? Do you think it's had a big effect in uh, in a positive way on the job you do now, being a musician? I think, uh, yeah, absolutely. Because when you're working with music, you when you're playing music, you are playing as much as you're listening, right? Mm-hmm. And you're analyzing, you're listening. Your whole body is kind of working. Talking about the physiology of music, it works in the same way as, as voice acting. Um, uh, so as your you know your uh, your neural pathways are, are bringing the, the electronic signal from your brain to play the key, the, the key makes the sound that resonates the string, and that that is uh, input in, into your ears, which goes back to your brain. This big cycle. So same way as you're speaking in voice, and you're making these changes with your physical you know your voice box and you're responding to those at the same time uh it's really it's kind of going on the fly um basically i i can i can relate so i think being able to relate to a voice talent's ability to to perform yeah has helped has helped me understand yeah absolutely and and also the 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 whole sort of cadence and the structure and the orchestration if you like of an individual piece exactly yep yeah because not all directors are musicians (laughs) No. Although, the, the, certainly the um, the voices that, as as a director, when I was working with voices who were either singers or musicians, you could always tell. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They were able to. It's 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 also about being able to expand, particularly in ads and promos, when you have got a little gap to um to play with. You you you've got to get all the information into that little gap, and sometimes you've got to do the tags, which you know are, are right. you know, and being able to expand and contract and still fill that <laughs> that that moment effortlessly. That that musicians are brilliant at doing that. Yeah. So talk me through uh, what a typical voiceover session with you would feel like from when when you're when you've got a director's hat on if you like when Mm -hmm. you're a director sure so um i'll walk you through the the kind of how we interface and how we would would run a session right Uh, because there's a lot of work you know in post there's a lot of stuff to be done but as as uh i'm producing a session i mean the first thing you do is you you link now remotely with your your talent um uh, before you know you're in the studio and you have this piece of paper in front of you, the brief. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, we're doing this, and, you know, you set up, uh, test your levels, and it's just you and the talent, you know, you're saying, hey, Sally, how you been? Nice to talk to you. Uh, but checking levels, setting up our tech side, doing a test run. So I always do a test run, test recording, before we even bring the client on, just that way so I can uh, play it back, make sure everything's sounding great. Then we interface with our client uh, through uh, these voice or IP, like Uber, Uber conference. So once everybody's patched in, you know, do our intros, maybe I'll tell a joke. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm always interested, like when you and I, you know, first got on, uh, when we were, we were setting up our levels, you know, how's the weather? I'm always, because we're working with people all over the, the country and the world sometimes. Yeah. I just want to know what it's like where you are, you know? Yeah. So interface them and then and then go over any any questions. You know, a lot of times there's pronunciation uh, things that need to be addressed or n- uh, numbers or monetary figures. And uh, the next thing to do is, you know, get everybody on the same page, let them know what's going to happen because I will, you know, you mute the client out while you're recording the talent. So let them know that. And then we do a test run. We do a run and we listen back and we, we uh, analyze. We talk about, you know, how's the cadence, how's the pacing, how's the tone. Mm-hmm. Um and then, you know, again, I just, I, I would hope that, you know, the client's like, oh, that sounds great. 
and they're not like, hey, can we change this and do that and, and do this inflection? And if, and if they do have these changes, um, you just kind of, you know, you dictate those or, or let, let the, your talent, you know, run with it. The challenge sometimes becomes when there's more than two or three people on the line. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's <laughs> uh, you know, and you just, you sit there and you just have to listen to them work things out. We were doing uh, a very, very technical uh, medical explainer video, and I had so many questions uh, right off the jump. And there were, I kid you not, nine people on this conference <laughs> because they had to call up these doctors, yeah. and not one doctor, but doctors, plural, to get the pronunciation. Like, uh, I can't remember these things, like osteomysococcus. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like... That is, yeah. Um, and so you can't do anything but just kind of let it play out. I mean, you find that right moment where everybody's in agreement, which takes, I mean, it took 45 minutes before we started recording. <laughs> oh my it was God. crazy. <gasps> it was crazy. We didn't start, we didn't press, you know, the record button until 45 minutes into this. Wow. And, it, and you know, this is a long script. So those, those times are challenging. And, but you find, you know, at a certain point you have to make things move, right? Cause mm-hmm. you're also, you know, you're working on a clock. Yeah. You don't want to make it feel like you're working on a clock cause that'll, uh, stress your client, your talent out. I think you know. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, do you ever you ever feel like that? If like you only have like twenty minutes to do this spot after the ten yeah. minutes of technical issues, and you're just like frazzled, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's terrifying. You suddenly think, oh God, I'm never going to get this, or whatever it happens to be. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, and you still you still have to be on your A game, even though you know, you, you know whatever else is going on. Yes. If you don't know how to pronounce, you know, osteomycosis. Or whatever. Yeah. Just or, roll. <laughs> or you can't get it. That's that's the that's oh, the worst thing. Is right. <laughs> you just think I should be able to get this, but yeah, that's worse. It's that one word. Yeah. That you just get hung up on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so hard. And so those times, and like in when I'm working with my talent, and they just nail it. I'm like, pause the session. Like you got this. Good job. Excellent take. And just like inject some positivity in there because I know I can feel, I can feel how hard that was. Yeah. And I think when you've got multiple clients as well, that can be very dispiriting because they're all giving you different pieces of feedback. But in that instant where you've got a lot of clients, do you find that your role is to take all of those strands and then kind of almost repeat back to them? So what you need is blah, 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 before you actually. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes, because when you have so many clients, inevitably two or three of them are not going to agree on one thing. But if you can get them to agree on something beforehand, they're less likely to go back and recut it. Um, It's like herding cats sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, because I'm glad you talked about that kind of golden moment at the beginning where you first kind of link up with people. There is that moment where that can actually often set the tone for the rest of the session. So getting that right, getting people feeling comfortable right at the beginning is so important. Mm-hmm. It is so important. You know, you, you're, uh, you're kind of dictating the way the, of the flow of the session, you know, so you want to make sure that it's leading off the right way. Yeah, because um, they can be nervous, talent, talent. Oh, um, you know, they haven't met the clients before um, mm-hmm. and, and, you're, and, and you're doing this performance. It can be really nerve wracking. Yeah, it's like like you said, you know, it's like you feel you feel comfortable with the the things you know. We all feel comfortable with the things we know, right? Yeah. 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 One of the tricks I know when I'm going into not so much a um a, a voice session, but if I'm going into a big, I don't know, a big meeting or a big networking session or something, and I don't know anybody, one of my tricks is to always chat to the bar staff first. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. The first thing I do, I go and get a drink and I chat about nonsense, the day, what cocktails they've got on, anything just to kind of ground myself in the place. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and it's sort of a bit like that when you're, when you're starting a session. You have to ground. Everybody needs to get grounded, the client and the director and the voice. And, they, and then they all need to kind of mesh together and then... Then, then it all goes well, hopefully. Absolutely. And you know, it's, it's funny, in, until you really talk about it, you don't think about these things. So after, after doing it for so long, it just becomes a part of the routine, I guess, you know? Yeah. But it is, it is really important to set that tone and make everybody feel comfortable. Yeah. Um, and, and that way you capture the best performance out of everybody. Yes, absolutely. I mean, going back, we were sort of saying about, um, you know, the in some ways, the the way we work has changed because, you know, there were some, if not all, but there, they, there were some in-person sessions. And somehow that was easier when you're all in the same room, being able to get on the same page quicker. Yeah. So it's it, it is learning those new techniques. Now everybody, now nobody's in the same room. Right. Um, so it, it's it's a real feeling that you've got to kind of relearn new techniques going forward because it's not going to change. No, I don't think so. I think we're on a trajectory that is, this is the now, you know? Yeah. And there are good things about it as well, of course. We can now get work with talent as directors. We can work with talent anywhere, which right. is hugely wonderful, really. Super great. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So we talk, talk about the music and the way that music is so important to projects, but do you find that there are any projects that you've worked on that don't really need the music, where the voice is enough? Um. Yes. Yeah. I mean, well, uh, it's it, when there's these healthcare explainer videos, obviously those those don't need music. Now, you did mention something earlier that made me think. It's like, what if you just had a little, ten second piece of music right at the top? A mnemonic at the yeah. And you'd add that in post, you know. Mm. Um, how effective that would be to draw people in. Yeah. So, are there projects that don't require music? There's lots of them, but do they need music? Maybe. Um, the human voice itself is very powerful, right? So our, our ears are adapted over, you know, many years of evolution to respond more to the human voice. Like those frequencies that come out are the ones that our brains and ears respond to the most. So, yeah, I think that voiceover can be extremely impactful without music. And it's sometimes not always necessary. If you have a voice actor that is just so commanding or not even commanding, just somebody that really you can you can feel relate to yeah. i guess yeah yeah it might be even more effective uh to have that voice stand on its own yes i mean that that's the that's the goal isn't it to find that voice that your audience your listener or your you know your your audience just generally can relate to that's that's one of the the biggest things to try and find that kind of voice yeah it depends on the audience of course as to which voice you choose but that's the ideal true and and actually you made me think of course, you were saying that you know uh, that that voices, the human voice, is is such a relatable musical instrument in itself. Because it's the it's the when you think about babies always responding to the human voice. That's the kind of first thing we are ever right. aware of, really. The low frequencies from yeah. the mother's voice. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, if you, as a director, as a voice director could give one hot tip to another voice director, to all those people out there that work with voice actors day in, day out, what would your one hot tip be? Oh, the hot, the hot tip. Yeah, the hot tip, the, the one thing you wish you'd known, I guess, when you were first starting out working with voices. 
Well, I mean, I, I guess when you first start out, you don't know much. Um, here's the here's the hot tip: no matter how much you know, you really don't know that much. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always something to learn, and I think that that applies to so many, not just directing, but life in general. Um, yeah. I when I was young, you know, starting on this, I was really young, and I was so serious about it, and I was like, oh, I don't want to make a mistake. Uh, and I was nervous, I really, really nervous. And of course, you know, with experience, those nerves tend to fade and you get more comfortable in your shoes. It should be fun. Yes. It should be fun. At the end of the day, we are creating something that wasn't there before, mm-hmm. right? Whether that's, you know, a very corporate ad or, or something, you know, very, you know, capitalistic and materialistic, whatever it is, we're kind of creating art, you know? So imagine that process. It should be fun. Why do we do things if they're not fun, right? Yeah. So uh, take part and create something special and and just have fun doing it. Uh, Make it light, you know, make it an enjoyable experience that that, uh, can resonate with people. Yes. Yeah, it's interesting, actually, going back to right at the beginning now, where we I was saying we first met, we first met on a directing workshop. Yeah. And I noticed that at the end, everybody had a chance to read and we all we had a script and we and at the end of every single one of them, you said, OK, now just do something completely freestyle, which which was great because it was amazing what came back, actually, what people did. Sometimes, you know, those are the best. Um, yeah. Uh, ways. Uh, uh, so on, on a little tangent, right? I'm a piano player. Uh-huh. And my piano teacher, at the end of every lesson, we would improvise. We would just make things up. And and I, th- I found that to be brilliant. And this is actually what I do with my piano students in the last 15 minutes of our lesson. We just make things up. Now, what I didn't realize is we were her uh, uh, students. We were my piano teacher's kind of test subjects in her dissertation. She wrote, uh, she had a doctorate based around allowing uh, kids, you know, in this case, the ability to create and what they come up with is magical. And so that is something that has really, really taken a strong part in whatever I do in my life. And so, yes, that was, you know, kind of the inspiration for that. It's like, have fun and see what happens. And some of those takes that were coming at the end, the, the just, they were awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it <was> so good. <laughs> absolutely. And I can yeah. imagine that, you know, you, you, if you, if you have the um, space to be able to do that in the average voice session. I wonder if that would change quite, you know, because often we often ask for the banker, don't we? We, we? we ask for the read that we know is the mm-hmm. correct read, if you like, the right read for this. But that's not always. Sometimes it might be better to do a more surprising read, uh, you know, something that actually shakes it up a bit. And you suddenly it's a bit like when you put a piece of music against something that is quite a unusual choice, a unique choice. So you're doing, say, I don't know, something really, you're doing Lady Chatterley's Lover or something, that's the programme you're doing, but you undercut mm-hmm. it with um, a really modern, you know, pop score or you, right. you put something that has got nothing to do with the era in which this was written. But mm-hmm. um, And somehow it can bring it to life in a different way. And being able to do that with a voice might be really in- interesting. Right. Isn't that isn't that strange how, uh, you know, putting these two unrelated things together can create something new and interesting. Right. And that just I mean, it goes to show you the the power of of music and and voice in combination. You know, these two things, there's so many possibilities out there. And this is why I I really I I like this industry, you know, uh, being in the audio. I guess I could say the audio industry, the ability to create something new and special that didn't exist before you started doing it is really a cool thing. Yeah, 
yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And yeah, well, I think that's a fantastic place to stop. So, oh, Garrett, thank you so much. It was lovely, lovely talking to you. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> I just loved that interview. I was listening to it back when I was editing it and Garrett was just so inspiring. And the connection that music and voiceover have with each other, it just underpins almost any project. His links and his website details are in the show notes. So music can totally transform a piece. And as I said in my previous podcast, always get the voice talent across your music choice for your project because it is a brilliant shortcut to them understanding what you really need. So that's it. I'll be back on Monday with one hot creative thing to think about for next week. Until then, I'm Samantha Boffin and this was Talking Creative, the art of voiceover directing. Bye. That's it for this week on Talking Creative, the art of voiceover directing. If you're new here, do take a moment to subscribe, rate and review on your favourite podcast app or head over to talkingcreative.co.uk where you'll find the whole series so you can get the most from every single booking.